The 103rd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. And if you remember in the previous edition of the pod where we we previewed the Duke matchup, we didn't go too far in depth talking about our favorite Duke memories because I teased that we had a, a special guest joining us to do some of that stuff with us. And that happens to be our boss, Colin Hoggard, lifelong Tar Heel fan just like Anthony and myself, and he's going to join us today to get us ready for the Duke game. He's going to share some of his favorite memories of the Duke rivalry from from his perspective, uh, have some fun making fun of Coach K, talk about this Tar Heel team this season as well. So we'll welcome Colin in right here, right now. Uh, buddy, It's it's been an up-and-down year to say the least. We've all had a lot of conversations about the team you know, at the job and, and, of course, off the air as well. So just your initial thoughts on what you've seen so far from the team this season. Well, for Hubert Davis's first season, I think they are, you have to look at this a little bit differently than every other year. And as I, as I look at the job that Hubert's done, given the amount of bodies he has, I think it's a lot harder than people make it out to be because you've got some really talented players, but you look at the, the guys that have been getting minutes for this team, and it's a really small group. And yes, it's one thing to say you got your eight guys dialed in, but they don't even have eight guys. They don't even have seven at this point. We're basically down to six guys. And I think for this team to be playing as well as they are, as flawed as they've been throughout this entire season with as few guys as they got, I think it's actually a credit to Coach Davis. So All right, it's time for him to be off the podcast. He's too positive. He's too positive. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, he's it waiting. happens when you get older. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, we've had – a lot of discussions on the pod about Hubert Davis and the frustrations of a first-time head coach learning on the job. What's impressed you the most about him in his 29 games as a college basketball head coach? I think his demeanor and, and, and the fact that he didn't, you know, early on, I know we wanted him to be, you know, we've seen great results from Roy. We wanted him to be the next Roy, and that's not who Hubert Davis is, and it took time, and it's taking time. And anytime you put someone in that chair for the first time, they're going to make mistakes. And he certainly made them, and he's learned from them. But to me, the fact that this team continues to fight when we know this team isn't, you know, a, a Carolina powerhouse team, but they continue to fight and continue to, to, to scrap. They This group of young men that a lot of people have been down on for a lot of part of the season right now have fought their way back in. And they easily could have gone the other direction. I think the fact that Hubert and the staff have kept them playing well. And even a guy like Caleb Love, look at the last game, shot so poorly through 36 minutes, 38 minutes of that game. It's not a mistake, and it is a result of Hubert Davis and his coaching staff that Caleb Love is still locked in, still focused, and still trying in those closing minutes and made a huge difference against Syracuse. This team's won six of their last seven since the first Duke loss, and uh, four of those games have been on the road, and they're going to have to use all four of those wins, those experiences and those wins on Saturday. Do you think this team has turned the corner to be the best version of what this team can be this year now? I think so. At the same time, I don't know that we ever got a chance, or this team ever really got a chance with with the departure of Garcia and and having a short bench. They're one sprained ankle away at this point from being – in really dire straits and 
at this point of the season, that's not what you want. That's not where you want to be. And we know as Carolina fans how many seasons have been affected by late season injuries. Mm-hmm. So right now, I give them credit, but I don't think they. I don't think they actually got a chance to get to as good as they they could. And that's why I give Coach credit because if that was the initial goal, he said national championship to start the season. Yeah, he opened the door with that conversation, and those expectations have slid. But to see this team continue to to grow and continue to improve. I think when when a coach loses that initial goal and is still able to keep his team, that's that's a mark of a of a good season. You know, I think one thing and we talked about this Anthony in the last edition of the show is that I think this team's displayed a level of mental toughness that I don't think we expected them to show maybe back in early January. They were going on the road and getting blown out. And I think that's a testament to Hubert Davis and the staff, something that we all had questions about before the season started and they only grew during the season. Which one are you talking to here? You got to be specific, okay? Uh, talking about talk. <laughs> At great, the same time, great yeah. answer, great <laughs> answer, great leadership. This is the, the, see one of the issues for the team this year has been leadership. One of the issues on this podcast right now is leadership. You need a Hubert Davis to inspire you. But I think, and I, I I don't know if you've seen the same thing. You guys have seen the same thing. I think you you're not seeing the vocal leaders that are starting to appear. But a guy like Brady Manick, I think guys on the team are starting to realize, like, this dude has experienced a lot. And even though it wasn't here, he knows what he's talking about. He's showing us by how he's playing, how we're supposed to play. And I think as the season's gone on, you're starting to see that more and more. And I think it's witnessed in the fact that they're winning these close games the way that they have been recently. I mean, if you would have told me that we'd be sitting here talking about winning close games, winning road games after the first Duke game, I'd have thought you were crazy. Mm. And that was a month ago. I mean, so we have seen tremendous growth from this flawed group, again, but during February. And I I, I just – I'm never going to say that we're going to lose to Duke. Never going to say we're going to do it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But right now, to to have watched that game, to have left that game feeling the way that I did – to now be heading into this weekend feeling, you know what? I, I want to see what this team's got. I want to see because I think I think the alumni, and specifically the former players, got into their butts after that that, that Carolina or that Duke game in, in the Dean Dome. Because to me, that was the least Duke Carolina game I've ever seen. From a competitive nature standpoint, arms down on defense. It was one of the most frustrating two hours. It never felt like the game actually tipped off. And so it's a good thing I didn't come on that day, and I'm instead coming on now because well, I would sound are, differently. You also had a giant Duke nerd that was sitting beside you, so that unfortunately didn't help the experience. No, no. Although, yeah, no, I did not. We'll just leave it there. <laughs> he may or may not have a signed picture of Coach K. I may or may not have a picture of, of Roy Williams that is signed. So, you know, we have nerds on both sides. You mentioned the alumni, and I think that's a really good point because you go back to the NC State game, it was in the building that day. Of course, we honor the 82 national title team. The GOAT, Michael Jordan, shows oh, up. Matt Doherty? And Matt oh, Doherty yeah. was in there. Um, Roy, It was also Roy Williams Day as well. And and MJ addressed the team and, and told them um, the way that you need to play. And, of course, we've had the, the, the Pittsburgh issue since that game happened. But I do think that is something that has resonated. This team didn't, or the program didn't get to have a Carolina basketball experience last year because of COVID. And it affected them in more ways than one. This year, though, they've had those guys back in the building. Roy Williams has been at every home game. You've had the familiar faces in the building. Cam Johnson, Luke May were there the other night. And I do think that's starting to resonate with this group and this team, that you're a part of the fabric, the family that is Carolina basketball. And with that, there comes a reputation of success you got to uphold. And I do think in the last two weeks or so, they've kind of taken that upward ascension that you're used to seeing from a Roy Williams team that always plays its best in March. I do think Carolina right now is playing its best ba- best basketball as we enter March. So let's start the transition into Saturday night. We know it's some coach's final home game in, in some hallowed building, and there's going to be a lot of TV coverage that goes into it. I heard students have been camping out for two months just to see this game. Hmm. Just two months? That's it? Um you were at the first Duke Carolina game. Moron, morons. Um, and and you, the one thing you have said consistently about it was that it didn't feel like a Duke Carolina game. Why? It, there was no emotion from the team. It, it was it was almost confounding to see. I mean, Brady Manick had one dunk in that game. The crowd was ready to go. They they were there early. 
The place was rocking. And then they, they tossed the ball up in the air, and there was just nothing. There was just a lack of enthusiasm. And I look at specifically on the defensive end. Where I was sitting, it was the, it was on the – Duke was coming our direction for the second half. And watching arms down on defense, play after play after play. And then even watching Duke come out of the timeout like a team. And then we'd come out of the timeout – and, and we'd have guys wandering, picking up popcorn, going and talking to the scores table, walking this way, waving to girls. Like, it it was not – they were not that, locked in. That was, was all Caleb Love, by the <laughs> way. No, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, they, were, they didn't seem locked in. It, it was confusing because I truly believed that if we found five guys from the state of North Carolina and just playing ball around Chapel Hill – and brought him in to play that game. We might have lost by 40, but we would have played a heck of a lot harder in a Duke Carolina game. He wanted to see Creighton Lebo at one point <laughs> in the game. He, he was saying that to me at one point. <laughs> um, so w- one of the things that we noticed, we we noticed it before the game too. It's it's it was it was just a weird it was a weird environment for them. The team didn't seem like energized even in warmups or especially like intros usually guys are pretty pumped you know you'll have you know one guy runs down the land down the the line high five and somebody will like shove somebody and everybody starts grouping up it's just kind of like it was like going through the motions and and I don't look I don't think unfortunately I don't think that part has changed all that much but I I do think that you know, th- this is hopefully a team that will bring more emotion into this game, but I think they've brought more emotion here recently. My question is, what happened to what happened to the guy the last couple of years? And maybe this was a Roy thing, but we always had a guy before the game that danced around and tried to make it fun. And I mean, yeah, let's be honest. Some of the guys didn't really dance all that well, <clears throat> Brandon Huffman. Uh, but, you know, it was fun. Like, you could see the guys were genuinely having fun. And I think the last couple of years, and I wonder, do you, do you guys? It's got COVID has to play a factor, right? I think that's taken some of the excitement out here because it's it just hasn't been the same the last two years. The excitement level before games and everything like that. We've talked about it a little bit before. I, I questioned, particularly with this team and their road struggles early on, if that was a, if that was the impact, because it's like. Okay, you play, you come and you play college ball, and there's no crowd, and it's just, this is what it is. And then all of a sudden, the crowds get turned back on. You're Carolina; they mm-hmm. don't, they don't care. They are, and they're coming for you. And this team did not respond. And, and really, I think the last time, I mean, with the pit game aside, but this Duke game was the one where it just felt like this was the last one that felt like the Miami game previously, where they just didn't seem to have anything. And now we've, I, I praise Hubert a lot here too. Immediately coming out of that game. You had you had Armando Baycott on 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 um, Paolo, <laughs> which I think forty percent of the Dean Dome flagged as a problem as the game started, and probably Mondo gets two fouls, boom boom, and and I don't know if that was what changed or, it, but it, it it didn't feel like anything changed. It just felt like it never picked up. Well, yeah. they didn't get off to a fast start even when he was on the floor. So I guess you were kind of saying to yourself like. How much different is it honestly going to be? You to me, I almost wonder when they when the guys heard, "Hey, this is the matchup that we're going with." Were they kind of like, "What are we doing here?" Like that. All right, you're the coach, but that really doesn't make a lot of sense. You wonder if that played a factor in it, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I've said many times throughout the year that I thought maybe Hubert Davis was over his head, and that coaching decision kind of made it apparent that you had. Was it four days to prepare for that game when they overthought the situation? But I did say this about that. He is not the only person that made that decision. Remember that Brad Frederick works with the bigs, and so does Sean May. So this is a trio of guys that in their minds came up and said, this is what we think is the best strategy. I don't think it's all on Hubert, but I I was very irate when I saw that coming out of the game. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no, it, it was very much the same. But you're right. This is a co- this is a coaching decision. So the, the, and guys are going to get things wrong. And I think this is a spot where potentially they got one wrong. I would rather see Paolo try and get his. Like I, I would be fine. All right, let him get his. Don't he, let everybody else. He hasn't been the guy that's always been this. Give it to me. Let me go to work. He disappears at times. So I'm with you. I'm I'm with you. 
Yeah, I mean, you, know, you gotta you gotta contain him or AJ Griffin. If they both go off, it, it, and, it's, it's going to be a long night. And which one's the? I think you look at this roster. I think AJ Griffin. You've got better matchups against mm-hmm. him, which is one reason mm-hmm. why I say, hey, let Paolo get his. Don't let AJ get off because AJ was the one that really sunk us. Are you as concerned in this game as you were the first game with what you do with Brady Manick? Because I feel like he's he's been he hasn't been as exposed recently as he was coming into that first Duke game. So do you feel confident that he can match up with probably A.J. Griffin in this matchup? Or Bancaro, no, one no, of the I two? Mean, no, asking me to have confidence in Brady Manick's defense is going to be a tall a tall order. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, he ha- he absolutely has in- increased his role and become, become more of a leader. And I think if you're a guy that's coming in and you're only going to be here for a year, you know, it, it takes some time. You're not going to show up and be like, hey, guys, I run things. I'm from Oklahoma. Let me show you how we do basketball. Yeah, Justin you know? Knox is still trying to figure it out for his one year that he came. There <laughs> we go. That's a, blast. Wow. That's a blast from the past, guys. Wow. That's so, I was wanting to get a you know a, 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 a vibe check, if you will, for you, Colin, because Anthony and I have talked. I'm almost more confident in our ability to win the game this time around than the first time. And maybe that's just a Tar Heel blinders in me getting in the way. But this is a team that, you know, because going in the first Duke game, it was, well, we haven't lost at home. And then you got blown out at home. And then you've had the Pittsburgh loss. Well, at the time, this team couldn't win away from home. But now they've won four straight games away from the Smith Center, all four in different forms or fashion. But there's no pressure on Carolina. All the pressure that exists in this game it exists on Duke's players because you don't want to send out that coach in his final home game with a loss to to his biggest rival. And we saw the emotion overwhelmed Carolina in the first match. I, I thought that was, I, I thought our team was overwhelmed by the moment. Duke could be facing the same issue Saturday night. Confidence level compared to the first matchup in your ability for Carolina to get a win in Cameron Indoor Stadium. I, I can't believe I have any confidence after where we were a month ago. But I'm I'm with you. Like this this team. Should be it should be able to hang absolutely with this Duke team. You, know, you hope that they feel pressure, and it's not you. You end up going, well, this isn't going to be your night because hey, we're honoring our we're honoring our coaching legend, and you're going to get the buzzsaw because we've certainly seen that and and dealt a few of those in our day. So. I, I I just the only thing I want I, for for their side of things is they are so young. This is. This is the one of the biggest, if not the biggest, regular season game in the history of college basketball. So, I mean, that's a lot. That is so much pressure on these kids. Because, look, you're expected to come out with a with a win here. You lose this game, Duke, I mean, the diehard Duke fans are going to hate the kids on this team unless they win a national championship. You were given a look that you don't think this is going to be the toughest regular season well, game to win in the history of college basketball. Well, I mean, the biggest college. I, they, they didn't they name one of those in the, the game of the century in the Astrodome between uh, UCLA and Houston. If I got that right, then there were. I didn't see you guys are young, so that one doesn't count. Neither does this one probably. But Kentucky, no, excuse me, UNLV and Arkansas at their peak played in a non-conference game. That was absolutely a, a, a barn burner. But this is this is this is a, this is a huge one. There will never be another Coach K. It's not 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 for me. Not for people of my generation. I don't think you know even even North Carol most North Carolinians. There's not going to be another one because at the time that Coach K came around, you could be the 800 pound gorilla that he complained about Dean Smith being, mm-hmm. and then he grew into that 800 pound gorilla. And then college basketball has made him about a 250-pound gorilla now as it's as the sport has waned. So with Saturday, there's a bunch of just different coverage going on. you got a two-hour college game day pregame show, um, and then the ACC Network is doing their own thing. They're going to have their own Coach K-Cam and all this. It's thing. not about him, though. Just, just remember that. It's not just, you know, the 40-foot, you know, picture that they did for for you know Cameron Madness or whatever they call their late night deal that's not about him okay just just because they put 1k for the thousand wins on the hat and they, they print a hat every time they win 10 games it's not about him okay just look it's not about him winning three gold medals it's not about these things it's, it's about developing relationships he hasn't gotten Josh. any gifts this year okay no They've never no. they they haven't given him anything. Jim Beheim didn't give him like a piece of the dome with his face on it, <laughs> which is one of the weirdest things. 
Uh, Jeff Capel was a Capel that gave him basically the gravestone and the ACC regular season title. <laughs> what I mean, mm. oh, there you go. <laughs> and and you know, Duke also has uh, has applied for Chicago to be their home regional this year because you know n- normally they don't have actually fans around these parts. So well, they I heard they elsewhere. asked for Trenton, but apparently that wasn't one of the sites yeah. this year, so they can't go there. Yeah, I've been on the fence saying that I'm almost pro the coverage because it's highlighting Duke Carolina, which. All three of us sitting here believe that's the best rivalry in sports, not not just college sports, but in or just in basketball. We think it's the best rivalry in sports. Do you think this gives ESPN an avenue? Because they have the rights to both matchups now. Remember, no Raycom sports, none of that have the, with with the first matchup. Even though Coach K is retiring, for them to capitalize on promoting this event more often moving forward to, to promote Duke Carolina under Hubert Davis and under John Shire. No, this is a one-off. This is this is this is easy, and this is this is what you have to realize about ESPN. This is easy. Everyone can look up there and go, Coach K's last game, and circle it and go. I understand what we're doing here. So ESPN, I mean, you didn't even read off a third or maybe even a quarter of everything that's going on mm-hmm. with ESPN. And this is what ESPN does well when there's a clear-cut thing, go celebrate it, cover the the snot out of it. But we talk about this all the time. They don't do the same thing for college basketball as a whole because they don't have they don't have the tournament, right? So this is something they do have. So maybe, and this is something they have invested in the past because, as you said, this is the best rivalry. This is the best college basketball property they own. But ultimately, we've they've they've carried plenty of these games. This is this is a one off. This is special because it's Coach K, and that's why they're treating it this way. So with the transition, Carolina post Roy, Duke's about to go post K. We feel like the rivalry, I guess, I'm not going to say it's in jeopardy, but it has some some questions about it, kind of like when Dean Smith walked away and then even to a certain extent when when Bill Guthridge walked away because he was an extension of that. Are you concerned that the rivalry is going to dip, lose its its the, the, the specialness that exists in the rivalry because you don't have the two Hall of Famers head coaches on the sidelines? No. No, I honestly am not. They're both battleships at this point. And you you listen to the guys that go to Duke now because I, I couldn't figure out early on why these one-and-dones would want to go play for K. But K obviously changed who he was to, to accommodate these guys. But what they now focus on is the network that you're a part of, the, mm-hmm. the network, the alumni network, the, all the different connections – and that's what both schools in basketball have done a good job. I mean, I, I can remember, I forget if it was a Roy Williams, it might have been a Dean Smith re- recruiting story about all the doctors that had played at Carolina and some some recruit wanted to be a doctor and he pulls out the list. And you know, So this network is something that has been, been growing for 40-plus years and no one has done a better job than Carolina and Duke in the last 10 years and trying to celebrate coach K and catch up with us has tried and they've done it. They've done a good job, but no one has invested in this. And so I, to me, the star players are still going to be interested in coming to these programs. I think the other thing is that you've got two guys that played in the rivalry that have been a part of it. That, I mean, I see, this is the thing. I have no idea if Hubert is Hayden on the other side, probably not. I wouldn't imagine that he was, as polarizing as some of the other figures, but Shire, Shire wasn't either. I mean, there were elements of Shire that you hated, um, for sure. But I think that was kind of that that was kind of that team in general, right? Like you didn't really know why you hated some of the dudes, like Kyle Singler. I just haircut. I just hated him. He well, was it's, just, the four, it's the four letters on the front of their uniform was yeah, enough for me. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was just like that group of that that group of dudes were just hateable because they were just giant nerds playing basketball out there like those were the definite those were what we used to associate Duke with was a bunch of nerdy white guys out there playing ball and uh but but I think I I think that has to feed into it is that you've been a part of this rivalry for as long as you have I mean for Hubert he's been a part of this rivalry through his uncle Walter for how long and I mean, Shire probably not as long, but he still played in the rivalry. So I, I think there's going to be contention there still. I, I think probably the, a bigger issue is the fact that guys don't play in this these games multiple times. Yeah, that that hurts yeah. it more than the coaches. And then that's that's more of a Duke thing because they they went full one and done. Really, I guess. 2000, I guess Kyrie Irving kind of started it, and then it's it's kind of morphed the last 10 years. It's fascinating to look back because Coach K won in 2010 with a traditional Duke team. Mm -hmm. 
and then said, screw working with those guys. <laughs> he couldn't take. <laughs> Give he, me the five stars. He couldn't take the uh, yeah. the Zubacks anymore. He said, you know what? This dude's too frustrating for me. Yeah, I, I do think that's definitely played a part because you. Because we don't we don't get to grow to hate. I mean, we still hated Zion Williamson and Julio, but it wasn't to the same level like for you at JJ, a guy who was here for four well, years, a guy who came back to win a national championship. And it ultimately didn't happen, but like that's I think that's what we the rivalry's lost, and you can't make these kids stay. But that's what makes it special when you get the Joel Berries, you know, getting face to face with a Trayvon Duvall of a freshman, but that animosity still exists, you know, between these 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 uh, two schools. And when you watch somebody like Zion, we all were familiar with Zion ahead of time, mm. so we had some we kind were of going to go to attend one of his games yeah. when he was in high school because we thought he was. Had a chance to come to Carolina. Absolutely. So it's like, oh, I, I like this guy. This guy's exciting. And, and this is something that's new. It used to be so-and-so is signed. Like you might see like a, a bit in the paper that so-and-so is signed, or maybe if a big recruit, they'd announce it. But now we, we've got relationships with some of these guys. And Zion's obviously in, 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 you know, an extreme exception here. But I think that makes it harder to dislike him because you had some familiarity and you didn't necessarily associate him with Duke initially. He was he was also like coming out of coming out of high school at least. He seemed like one of the nicest dudes ever. I think the reason why I I couldn't stand him, I couldn't stand the hype. I could not stand the amount of coverage, the bottom, you know, during during games that he would play on ESPN, they had the Zion ticker for points. It's like, who cares? Who I honestly um, I had one of those when I played church basketball. By nah, the way, Jesus Christ! Yeah, your, your grandma's up there with the old Carmichael scoreboard, just flipping it over. <laughs> too bad it stayed on zero. Too bad. <laughs> the, see, the other thing is, look, we've we've had this that sense of a guy like that here recently, where the recent generation, and you saw that there was a lot of animosity towards him. Grayson Allen was like that, and that's the point. Like, if you can get. Just one or two of those guys that stay and that are polarizing. Now, I don't, I'm not encouraging them to breed Grayson Allen. I mean, come on, man. Like, <laughs> even Duke fans hate that kid. So, it's, but if you get guys like that that can consistently produce and antagonize the other fan base, that's what I think will be good for the rivalry. I just, I think that's the thing. Is it more that college basketball itself is getting in the way of the rivalry than the coaching changes? I think that's kind of where we're at at this point. Absolutely. I mean, we've seen that, you know, we, we can broaden it out, talk about the entire ACC. You know, you used to play home and home with everybody yeah. back in the day, and now you don't do that anymore. Like, that used to be a part of it. Like, you're going to get, oh, you came and got us? Well, we're going to have a chance to get you back. And that's now, that that's kind of gone out the window and I think it does impact it. There's uh, so many games are on now that no games are special, even though we're trying to talk about one that is special. But, you know, th- there's so many of these well, things. This game is special. The other right. ones in the, the ACC other ones, don't matter. Yeah. No. <laughs> this one's not going to be on ACC Network with the uh, awesome commercials. Uh, <laughs> please, God, tell me Corey Alexander isn't calling this game. God, what, what if he's calling the Coach K cam? He might. Good. 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 <laughs> Let him sit in with all the dookies on ESPN the Ocho or whatever and talk about him. <laughs> the one thing I and, and we'll move on here that I always come back to when this discussion gets brought up and it, and, it, and it's a Coach K quote and it's from a book I read by Art Chansky titled Blue Blood. It, it, de- it detailed the rivalry from 1961 to the 2005-6 season. It was that it's not it's not about K versus Dean, K versus Roy. Duke Carolina will be here forever. And I think that's what we're about to learn in the next mm-hmm. 15 to 20 years is it doesn't matter who's on the sidelines. These two schools are still going to bring a great level of, of basketball into that court, and it'll always be fun watching those two teams compete. You mentioned that you're a little bit older than us. We're not going to disclose how much older you are mm-hmm. than us. So that means you've seen quite a few more of these Duke-Carolina matchups. We've seen some of the great games because of the ESPN Classic they used to show. They, they they quit showing them, for at least for the first matchup the week of the game. I'm sure they'll have some rolling up before this Saturday's game. So you've been around and you've seen some of the great Carolina wins and even some of the Duke wins. We're not going to talk about those specifically, but from your young Tar Heel fandom, your favorite Tar Heel memories of wins in Cameron as we we get we get ready for one final game of Cameron against K. This this one's pretty easy, even though it was a lot closer than it should have been. And it was the dunk show that that Sheed and Stack put on that led to the Jeff Capel highlight that they showed for twenty years. Mm. 
and everybody except for Carolina Duke fans forgets that they lost that game. <laughs> they, got bl- they got blasted in overtime, dude. Mm-hmm. That, double, that was out. double overtime, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right. But that was – that seeing – like – Seeing Sheed and Stack have no regard for Cameron Indoor Stadium and just dunking. I mean, how many dunks from 1994 live to this day? And Stack still does. Was was that the game where Sheed said after the post game, we ain't ever losing over here? Because he, he went 3-0 and in Cameron, I'm pretty sure. Of course, Hansborough went 4-0. and Was that the game that led to that quote? I actually do not know if that's the one. I don't. Oh, okay. Sorry. He, he, he used to throw down on them, too. Between him... And I mean, it, well, it was Meek and, what, Meek and Newton, I think, were the the front line. They're <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the most intimidating crew, but you had, I mean, it, that that era in the in the mid to late '90s of big men that they had inside, and then and then you get a guy that dunks like a big man in Vince Carter, who threw down. First of all, he he missed what would have been the greatest dunk in the history of the rivalry. In one matchup, my favorite. They never. They don't show this highlight a lot. There was one that he had off an inbound. I think that may have been in the in the Smith Center. That they don't show that often, but he just hammers it down. But yeah, that that game that you talked about. I love. I love when they play that highlight of Capel because everybody thinks, "Oh man, that won the game for him." No, it did not win the game for him. And the other highlight that you're going to see right after that was from the same game. You wouldn't even know it. And it's the it is a key feature part of the Carolina Duke rivalry, and Coach K wasn't there. Yeah, he was not a part of it. So the primary Duke highlight that they showed for twenty years was it a game that ow 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 <laughs> my team is not very good. Let me lead from from my bedroom. <laughs> What's your major? Oh, that, that was. Is it a back surgeon? I need one. That was that was that was fantastic. So for us. You know, like our first big Carolina victory that we can remember was the Hansboro game as freshman where he's banging, where he hits the three late to seal the deal, and that was J.J. Reddick's senior night. Oh, I hate it for him. Would you kind of compare that, you know, for what that game was for Duke to what Carolina – because remember, Carolina was a 15th-ranked team in the country, but given no chance to win the game. And then they go in there, and not only do they win the game, they controlled the game. I'm not saying Carolina's going to control the game, but just like the level of, I guess, pressure or buildup going into it for to send Coach K off. Could could Carolina maybe draw experience from that? I don't know if you're going to draw experience because I think I think it's pretty simple. This is this is going to be a game where do they make shots right? Like does Carolina if they make shots, they're going to be in the, they're going to be in this game. If they don't, we'll see. I mean, this is especially a guy like Manic. I mean, Caleb Love. You mm-hmm. you can't have Caleb Love not score for thirty six minutes against Duke or not you know not hit a field goal. Like, he's going to have to be a big piece of this, and they're going to have to go and let it fly. That, that rim's still ten feet high. Go let it fly, and those are soft rims. Because yeah. well, here's the thing about that is if their shots aren't falling in this game, I know they haven't run the biggest rotation. But you're you're kind of in a situation where like it's like I was saying yesterday. What do you have to lose? Right. Like, if you lose this game, this isn't taking you out of the tournament. So, if you're struggling that bad, just, I mean, put put in put in Dontrez, put in, I mean, put, we, we were talking about a lineup where it could be RJ or Caleb, and then Leaky, Puff, and the two big men. I mean, you need, if it so gets six to on that five. Point, if we go six on five, we got a better than normal <laughs> chance. I mean, <laughs> believe it or not, I think Caleb Love at times could still shoot you out of it, but <laughs> there could be those moments. But no, I think you're right. And again, I, I think the thing you, you're going to learn, you know, if you've been watching this team all year, you know, within the first, at the first media timeout, you can get a sense as to where this team is at shooting-wise. Because they're going to take two or three tough shots from deep where four, four seconds in the shot clock, Caleb loves shimmy, and then let's see what we got. So you you learn quickly with this team, okay, this is going to be a good night or this could be a very long night. So we'll, we'll, know, we'll know quick. We will. You had some fun making fun of Coach K just a second ago. And... Um... You know, you mentioned that when he entered the league, he had the you know he's famous for the double standard that existed against Carolina about the officiating and all that stuff. And then you fast forward twenty five years later, Duke's in the same situation Carolina was was in when Roy Williams came back to restore the program to glory. 
what over the, the last 25 years or so, what is your impression of Coach K? How's it changed over the years in a positive or negative way? Well, over the last 25 – so he was not the Olympic coach. I think of, of – it's hard because he's not as successful now. He gets the recruits, but he hasn't been as successful mm-hmm. here recently. I, I, of all the things that have happened recently, the thing that I had the biggest issue with honestly has nothing to do with Carolina it had to do with USA basketball and and again it was about the it's not about me but let me go be the one that wins three gold medals because there's no there's no possible coach from the United States of America that could have stepped in and helped us win when every other coach has done the deed gotten the honor and moved on but no 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 we needed coach K to restore uh USA basketball because I mean how many was it? How many decades were we losing? Oh, we we got one bronze medal. Anyways, Greg Popovich, another Air Force guy, by the way, was sitting there, deserved that opportunity, but Coach K said, "No, no, I I've got a book deal. I've got a book deal. I mean, this is a man that that, that, that had a book written about the Japanese Olympics before the team landed back in America." <laughs> Write but this, hey, it's about the country. Write this down, John. Write this down. Okay. Oh no, that take notes. The way it has changed, um, because he's and, and, and to be honest with you, he has he has changed, um, and I don't I don't I don't feel that same fervor, that same you know anger that you do. I think when you when you're you're younger, I guess maybe maybe I've gotten soft as I've gotten older. I don't know, uh, but I have respect for what he do, what he has done. In terms of particularly offensive basketball um, for the college game, and now as I get older, I recognize how impressive it truly is what he has built there. That's just about as nice as it's going to get. Do you think that also the respect that I mean we 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 heard Dean talk about it a little bit, but really we heard Roy talk about it a lot. Do you think that the respect that he has? And the, the respect that you then have for them kind of carries over into that a little? I don't know if it's that or if it's the world has changed, honestly. Because I feel like in the old days it was like, hey, you could be on either side. But now it feels like at times, like you guys are you know, saying, oh, we think this rivalry is the best ever. It's almost like we end up having to you know, be brothers in arms more often than not defending this rivalry or defending this ACC or college basketball those in general. Stupid, those stupid Kentucky and Louisville fans. Right. We have the best rivalry. Shut up. <laughs> you play you play at a conference in the middle of November. Nobody on a watches, Friday. Nobody watches your damn game. In a place called the Yum Center. <laughs> <laughs> Were you disappointed that Carolina didn't honor Coach K in his final game in Smith Center? So this is two different there's two different answers here. As a fan, no. As a promoter, if I was if I was promoting that game, you should darn right we're honoring him. <laughs> so as a fan, no, I was glad we didn't. If I was, I mean, especially with everything you've got going on, uh, I think you could have made a real case to do it. I'm glad they didn't. So if they would have, you know, because they honored him after he got his 1,000th win. Well, during we that cheered season. for him when he came out. Cheered some words at him. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> um, so if, if, if you were put in charge of that, 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 Celebration of you're celebrating your arches rivals. <laughs> this fun. is the celebration he gets fit out of all the celebrations you get to have. Well, you got to celebrate K coming to the Smith Center, <laughs> really? Because I didn't think they should have. I didn't. I didn't think they should have honored him. Not publicly. Maybe privately they should have done something. But I, I, you know, and we heard Matt Doherty say on our airwaves that he thought Carolina missed missed the mark on him. They they should have done something for him because Duke did. Publicly acknowledged Dean Smith's passing, and then but Carolina also did the thing with Coach K when he got his 1,000th win. They gave him the plaque or whatever. I don't think there was a win-win situation for Carolina had they acknowledged him or they or had they not. Yeah, no, I don't think you. I don't think you do, and I don't think the crowd would have been receptive to it. Particularly the way that game was going. Like, what do you do at halftime? Uh, let's bring out the coach that's got you down 17 points, and uh, let's tell him how great he is. Like, uh, no, nobody's interested in that. Well, I think. You probably would have honored him before the game. I, I I'm gonna be honest. Looking back on it, maybe maybe doing something because maybe then you don't have the fu chance. I do believe that served as extra fuel for maybe may, maybe him. And that's but but I think I think the team got a little irked by that, and rightfully so because I'm gonna be honest. If they chanted that at Roy, yeah, I'd want my dudes to run through a brick wall and start mm. whooping whooping tail. But yeah, yeah, I, I don't. My, I think they should have gotten him a gift. I mean, he needs more hair dye. He's starting to look a little gray up top. So let's <laughs> come on, help a man out. 
I, I think you could you could definitely play it both ways. I also think you could bring him back at some point if you really wanted to. I actually think next year, like if you had him and Roy sitting together for for next year's game in the Dean Dome, and you did something there, to me that that actually works even potentially be better. I think also there there, I'd be shocked if he doesn't get something at the end of the season. I just don't think you mean like they coach thought, of the year. Jeez, oh, <laughs> don't even don't even go there. I don't think. They thought that that was the right moment. Now, I will say this. Savage move by them to officially reveal the road signs for Dean and Roy during that night. That Now, that I approve. That's a, that, that's a savage move to say, eh, we don't care about it. We're going to go with our own presentation here, but... Um, I think that might have been a governor that wanted to be on the basketball court during Carolina and Duke. But it's just good me. Uh, you mean the you mean the Tar Heel alumni that got booed by his own by, by his by his own family? Technically, yeah. Uh, as 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 an area that has some some history with painting street signs, I was glad that those signs weren't already up that day because they definitely could have gotten painted with Coach K. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a good strategy by uh, by the governor on that one. You think Roy Williams' retirement sped up his retirement? No, I think the pandemic and the state of college basketball sped up his retirement. Um, and we've talked about it before, but in his press conference and his "I'm going to retire at some point down the line," uh, you know, press conference, not the actual one. Um, we got another one of those. Yeah, coming. oh, three, wow. three, um, probably one in Durham, probably one in Chicago, probably one in New Jersey. They'll just do like a. It'll be. <laughs> it's gonna be like D Wade, except for you know, Coach K. This, this look, the season wasn't a tour. This is the tour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now Roy's on his own. Uh, you know, kind of on his own tour. Roy, right now, Roy's <laughs> Roy's on a road trip. There's gonna. Be, they had the actual road trip movies. He's gonna have. There's gonna be a movie that he's gonna make. Road trip, Roy Williams edition, and it's just him going to all these different games. Roy and Wanda in the airstream. <laughs> I forgot what, what, what was your what was your question. I, I was this? just I was wondering because I I wondered if if Roy Williams' retirement. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and I, I and I think COVID spent up Roy's <laughs> retirement. He'll never publicly admit it, but I do think that played a factor. I wonder on the flip side. If if Roy's retirement sped up Coach K's time process to say, you know what, it's time to hang it up. I, I, I go back to that press conference I was joking about. He says in that press conference that he was a Coach K says I was a part of a committee. We were trying to get more hours during the off season, and I just found out over the phone before this press conference that we were not successful. Like this is not the nine hundred pound gorilla. This is a guy sitting at sitting in a hotel ballroom with fifty other people that are trying to decide on this stuff, and his voice. Is just is just like a uh, person to twenty four, like this is uh, that and and to me, for a guy that's dedicated his life to to a sport, and for them to be told by a bunch of you know academic paper pushers that that he doesn't know what's going on with with the sport, like that shows you how much this landscape has shifted. Because that I mean, Dean Smith was a guy that went and you know spoke about the death penalty here in North Carolina, like and and Coach K can't even get him to listen to him about off season training. He can't even get his own administration to listen to him about who they should hire as the next basketball coach. <laughs> like I'm being serious. It's not like about that, me, Anthony. It's it's it really is unbelievable. I, I, that's a good Good point. the The way that just the, even the college basketball world views these guys is well, they're just they're just coaches, and it's like no, 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 no. These dudes are icons, and I don't care how you know how bad of dudes they are. I mean, that's the thing. Like Bob Knight was looked at as an icon. Mm-hmm. Bob Knight was one of the biggest tools ever. Like he is one of the worst people on planet Earth, and they still and he gave his coach him. K. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And there is some there is some Bob Knight in Coach K. You see it at times. But I mean that's the thing. Like nobody's gonna remember Jim Beheim as like this great human. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, dude, the man's an icon for a reason. Like when you do that much for the sport, you should be respected in those types of settings. And I think you're right. They're not be they weren't being heard. I think Roy was part of that. And both guys have kind of said, look, I'm I'm just I'm kind of over this because yeah, we talk about the rivalry. But you look back; a lot of times, Carolina and Duke, particularly on the you know basketball side, would work together in yeah. conjunction to try and improve things or to make things better and make recommendations. So I, I think it'd be beautiful if Roy and and, and Kay together take up this college basketball czar or ambassadorship because they're the two best people that can help promote the game 
improve the game, and get college basketball back to what it was in the late 80s and the early 90s. It's over, bud. Yeah, it's it's not over. Gonna, because here's the thing. They're happen. not going to get appointed because they're, that would be that would be some of these paper pushers sacrificing some of the power that they have, and they're not interested in doing that. They're not interested in promoting those Look, guys. Mar- Mark Emmer just got an extension, man. It's not, it's not, it's not going to happen because we've said the same thing for college football, and it hasn't happened. College basketball, and this is this is the sad the sad state of affairs for the NCAA. College basketball should be on a pretty equal ground. I understand that there is more revenue that comes in from college football, clearly, because you play in bigger stadiums, the TV contracts are bigger. College basketball should be a clear number two right behind it, and it's not. And college football, you can't even get this representation. They still want to run things, so it's just it's unfortunate. I think it would be a great idea, and I think also – uh, you know, they could they could run the ideas that they have, you know, through 18 holes of golf. Although yeah. K doesn't play golf. Uh, not shocking. I think K <laughs> might be the most the, the least athletic coach out there. Roy, Roy's got some athletic skills, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go around the room here really quickly. One final gift you could give Coach K on his retirement tour. Oh, Colin, yeah. you go first. Oh, jeepers. One final gift. Uh, let me see here. I don't – I'm – I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, law, uh, a loss on Saturday. Hmm. Oh, that's a good one. That's the easy one. Can, that's, I, use, yeah. can I steal your gifts? <laughs> I, 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 I was going to go first that's a round joint, NCAA tournament exit. Oh, I will get him. I, I, that's I'm a sure. joint gift. By has, his, has he replaced the laptop that he broke when Harrison Barnes committed to Carolina? <laughs> Have, does, you need to replace that for him? I don't know. Is his ego still bruised from Reggie Bullock calling <laughs> him a rat? One of my favorite <laughs> One of my favorite clips ever. Um... I don't know. I did the hair dye. See, ah, oh man, you you ruined it. I didn't know we were gonna have this at the end. I gave out the hair dye already. Yeah. Ah. Uh, yeah. I don't really. I don't know. There's so many different things that you could give Coach K to try to make his life a little bit better. I mean, you could give him a nice wheel of cheese from Wisconsin. That'd be nice. Ah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. A swear jar for Mickey? I mean, she hasn't been allowed on TV in which, 25 which years. Which one? So. Did you guys hear the story that Coach K's original name was Mickey, and he changed it once he met his now wife, Mickey? Excuse me? Yes. They didn't. They were both going to be Mickey Krzyzewski, spelled differently, but he changed his name to Mike. So this guy in the <laughs> Army was named Mickey Krzyzewski. Mickey, that was the guy defending the flag? By the way... Does that not look like a guy named Mickey Shashevsky? That that looks Coach K looks like a dude that was named Mick. Mick Shashevsky. I feel like if I knew that, I would have yelled Mickey probably fifty times over the course of this rivalry <laughs> when they were showing him with his little, you know, furrowed face. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll play you this week's ad from DraftKings, and then when we come back, we're going to get our final thoughts on Saturday's game in Cameron Indoor Stadium against Duke. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big day payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 older Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details for a list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Voidware prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. 
in Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Hey guys, Anthony here. Make sure you head over to the Heel Tough blog website. Check out all of the coverage that Josh is going to have for you regarding the Syracuse game. We got the Duke game coming up this Saturday, Coach K's final game, but Josh will be giving you the Tar Heel angle on how they come out with the win over on the website. And then make sure you check out the football side of things. The Tar Heels lose Stacey Searles, but do bring in a new offensive line coach. Go check out who that is. And we've got a couple of articles up there for position battles to watch during spring camp, as well as players to watch during spring camp. Head over to Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all the great offers I've been giving you on the four-corner side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog side of things. Let's get into our final thoughts for the game on Saturday. Colin, what's the most important thing Carolina's got to do outside of making shots to win the game? Attack. Attack the basket. Don't settle. Have, match their energy. That's that's really where I thought they, they, they lacked early on and it never picked up. I, I want to see them come out with that energy, with that intensity that you expect in a, in, in a Carolina-Duke matchup. And I, and I fully anticipate uh, they're, they're not going to show up small twice. Win the turnover battle. We talked about that the other in, in the last edition. It's just, look, you, you, in the first game, didn't have a ton of turnovers, but the timing of those in that first half from Caleb Love really hurt you. You know that that's been something that's bit you before this season, and they're a team that is extremely efficient offensively. They're 10th in the country in field goal percentage, so you don't want to give them extra chances, and you want to force that team into mistakes because that's a team that's going to have a lot of pressure on them. There's no denying that. They're going to have moments where they're going to probably be nervous, so if you force them into mistakes... That's gonna that 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 could affect them as the game goes along. So, win the tournament. Best and the best way to do it is you don't let them get comfortable early. Obviously, that's harder at home, but that was the thing. They they I didn't feel like that Duke team faced any adversity in the first matchup. Mm. So make them face that adversity. Make them start thinking about losing Coach K's final game. Make them start looking over and seeing all the legends over there and going, oh gosh, you you want to. You want to make all that happen the way you do that was with to, a good to be start. fair. They faced some adversity in the first game. I don't think any of them were prepared for Armando Baycott coming out on Palo Bancaro. <laughs> now they adjusted very quickly, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, for me, I think that's the biggest key to this game. I think I think this game feels like 2015-16, where Bryce Johnson dominated the first matchup, and then Carolina went away from him. And then that second matchup, another monster double double. I think if Armando can control the painted area like he's more than capable of. Even though Mark Williams is a great big, I think Carolina is more than capable of competing and winning this game because I, he's going to be the second-best player on the court behind Bancaro, right? And so I feel like if, if the ball goes through him early, and I feel like the last couple games Carolina's gotten a lot better at committing to playing inside out. That's why the offense is functioning at a high level. I think they'll be able to weather the storm like, like, like they're going to need to in, in the first eight minutes or so on Saturday. Yeah, make Duke defend. That's one of the things that when you see this team struggle, they, they settle for shots and they make it easy on the other team. So, uh, you know, this is that's part of the struggle, how only having two guards that can handle the ball effectively. All right, guys. We'll go, we'll go around the room one final time. I want you, everyone to give me a reason or pick the game. Tell me who wins and why. Anthony, you go first. Well, I think Carolina wins. I think there's just so much pressure on these on these Duke players. This is, I, I said earlier, maybe the toughest. How about this? I think it's probably the most pressure-packed game of a regular season because the amount of expectation that you have going into this game if you're in that other shade of blue is crazy. And these guys haven't dealt with that yet. Um, you know, you, you've seen some moments, like you said, they're a team that can, you know, get like Carolina does at times where they settle for a lot of outside shots. This is also a team where, look, the way Carolina's been playing recently, I don't know if Duke wants to go head-to-head with Carolina on the boards. This Carolina team is rebounding a lot better than the first time that they met. So I I think Carolina gets it done. I think Caleb Love is one of the guys that we've talked about, and he has to step up and have a big game. And, you know, this this, we talked about how he had two special games against them last year Mm -hmm. because of that motivation growing up as a Duke fan. 
Is there a little bit of extra motivation for Caleb Love to send Coach K, a guy he probably idolized as a kid, out with a loss? I think there could be. So I got Carolina. To me, that's it's the kind of games you dream of playing. Whether which side, which blue you pick, this is that's what was so confounding about the first game. This is the game to me that you you commit for. If you're especially if you're not from here, like if you're just not like Luke May, like I'm excited to play every game as a member of North Carolina. But like if you're if you're coming in, you're one of these five stars. Like this is it. This is what this game is for, mm-hmm. and, and this is what all the hype's for. I, I I would be I would really be uh, confounded if they don't come out and play with tremendous effort. I think it's important to get off to that good start. And, you know, we talk about get that pressure amped up. I think they can win it. We've seen Carolina teams have chances late, miss free throws. I think these guys make the free throws late and end up winning 79-76. Oh, there you go. There we we go. go. We even got a score prediction. We haven't had one of those all year. Yeah, we haven't done that. He slacked off on that. He took the score (laughs) predictions away this year. I will go. Were you winning too much? Is that what it was? Mm, There were a couple games, I guess, the score right in – well, more in football, but yes, we would have brag sessions. Um, seventy-five, seventy-one, Carolina. I think I think that's how they get it. By the way, you did a good job because if you would have picked Duke, you're off the podcast. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's. I'm, I'm out of the family. I can't go home that's, if I pick Duke. I don't, yeah, that's, forget the podcast. That's a fair point. I want to go home for Christmas again. <laughs> had, you, had you asked me on Monday, I'd have told you I think Carolina can win the game. It's Thursday, and I believe Carolina can is going to win the game. Too much pressure on Duke, and um, I've had some arguments with a guy I work with about the rivalry aspect of it, but history shows us for the last 60 years, this game delivers more often than not, especially if the first one is a dud. And the first one was a dud, third down, third, third, eight, Carolina never recovered. We've seen Carolina play with a level of desperation that I think we all can admire and appreciate, and that's the reason why they've won four straight games on the road. And I think that carries over, and I think it has carried over for this team, and I think it's going to carry over into Saturday. It's going to be a raucous environment. It's going to be a spectacle unlike we've ever seen as fans, let alone these guys have played as or played in as players. But Hubert Davis told his team when they played against Michigan in the ACC Big Ten Challenge this is why you come to Carolina. No, this is why you come to Carolina. You come to Carolina to play in this game, to play in that hallowed building, and to beat their rear ends. I think they're going to do it. I think it'll feel like a normal Duke-Carolina game, which usually means the first one to 80 or so wins. You had 79-76. You had 75-71. I'm going to go Carolina 88-82. to And as I said Ooh. on the last edition of the podcast, meep, meep. there's not a better sound in the world than a quiet Cameron Indoor Stadium, and that's what it's going to sound like at 8 p.m. on Saturday night, and I'm looking forward to watching the game. I have one question. Who is the who is the dude that's going on? That's a lot of points for this game. I know Carolina's been playing better offensively, but 88, that's, that's well, a lot. Well, we gave lot. up 87 so in the first matchup, so we, 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 we can get— I see, I don't think Duke's going to score that. I feel like there's going to be sloppiness in this game. If this was a game where you got to the first TV timeout and it was an eight four or one of those, you know what I mean? Like we're 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 figuring it out. They're figuring it out. I, mm-hmm. I could certainly see that uh, see that playing out. At the same time, <laughs> hit the ground running. And, and they would have to hit the ground running to get to eighty. Hey, I'll right. take eighty eight. I'm just I. I they, they will have to be. They'll have to be compliant in us getting eighty eight. Well, you look at <laughs> you look at their big wins in Cameron in 2012 to win the regular season title. It was 88 to 70. 2019, Zion blows his shootout, 88 72. That's the magic number. That's why I went with 88. Oh, there you go. All right. That's better reasoning than I thought the original. I think it's going to be more like the game that we saw at the end of the 15 16 season there. I, I like it's 76 72. Now, I get that Carolina team was much better than this Carolina team, but. I feel like it, it's going to have some ugly aspects to it. There's going to be stretches where neither team is really going to be able to score, I think. You'll have some shooting struggles. So that's the reason I think it'll be more low score. But I don't care. Either way, as long as Carolina comes out, this this would be one of those ones that as Tario fans, that goes right in the bank. You ain't ever letting Duke fans live that Oh, yeah, no. So are we, are we done, guys? I think so. I just do want to remind everybody that's listening, is assuming most people are Carolina fans, that do recall that the Duke students camp out for two months to watch our guys play once. <laughs> they get to watch Duke all the time. 
It's, the, they do it to watch our guys. By the once. way, the best guys from the K era are going to be there supposedly for this game. Does that mean Tyler Hansborough receives an invite and can attend? <laughs> Is Taylor King in on the invite list? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Is William Avery going to be in the crowd? Ah, uh, yeah. Something tells me he's not. Uh, uh, Rashid Suleiman. You think he's going to jump in there? Um, was it Michael Benajay? Michael Benajay, yeah. Oh, Lance Thomas's big earrings are going to be there. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, let's wrap it up before we end up getting kicked <laughs> off the air for this. Well, guys, that is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. I do encourage you guys to go get to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. We'll have wall-to-wall coverage of the Duke game over the week. And, of course, Anthony keeping you up to date on the football side of things. As for the podcast, you know where to find us, every major podcasting platform. Simply just search the Four Corners pod. We'll, we'll show up, rate, review, and hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any additions throughout the remainder of the basketball season. What is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast? Do want to thank Anthony and Colin for hosting with me, guys, today. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go, go Tar Heels and go to hell, Duke. <laughs> The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast.